Welcome to Fringe Division. Fringe Division, a spoiler-free rewatch podcast of the hit TV show Fringe. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Martin. Today we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 15, Inner Child. It was written by Julia Cho and Brad Caleb Kane. Wasn't he the dad from uh, Veronica Mars? It was directed by Fred Toy. Done that gag before as well, Martin. <laughs> it, it, it's what's called in the podcast community a runner. Right, okay, yeah. Um, and because of that, I'm going to have to say, no, it's a lad in singing voice. <laughs> and he was in an episode of Buffy. Right. You've done that fact before. I know. because you. Which, which episode of Buffy was he on? Um, the prom. He was Tucker. He was the guy who had all the um, hellhounds. Andrew's brother. Why wasn't he available for season six? I don't know. Maybe he was doing other things. Maybe he was writing French. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I know the time doesn't work out. He also sang for Jonathan. He was Jonathan singing voice in Superstar as well. Because I'm cool, I once looked up the um, band that performed in that episode and did the um, like the big band swing mm, yeah. number. And? It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. I'm trying to remember. There used to be a website. It was called something like Buffy Facts or something, and it looked like it was coded in html in like 1996 right and probably was yeah but even late in the show's run it was never updated and i get it web coding is a bull ache um so fair enough mm-hmm. it's like slayer guide or something um you know if you remember what a badly coded buffy guide website from the late 90s was yeah. send it on a postcard or a sealed down envelope to um fringe division podcast uh, Jimmy's mum's house, uh, Scotland, uh, W1A2SG. Yeah, excellent. Um, so this is a Fringe podcast. Oh man, why didn't we do Buffy? I love Buffy, I'm watching that ages. Yeah, I'd like to do Buffy, but there's so many Buffy podcasts out there. No one listens to this one either, so why not? That's true. I was talking to Jen about that the other day, that actually, because she's also a Buffy fan. Is she a Fringe fan? Does she want to listen to this podcast? <laughs> Okay, Martin, I think we should talk about Mark Valley because he's no longer on the show and we just sort of glossed over it and we didn't give it the attention it deserves. So, moving on, Martin, what did you think of uh, this episode of Fringe? I'm trying not to, Jimmy. <laughs> you know, when people say how great it is that modern streaming services cut down the number of episodes to avoid the filler episodes, this is exactly what they're talking about. What? Wait, you think this is a filler episode? <laughs> you think it's not? I think half of it is not. And I think. Which half? Well, the serial killer half is filler, and the child half's not. Does the child come back? The child 
it's heavily implied that the child is related to someone that we know in some way. Mm. Uh, I want to watch uh, Richard Harris's son beaming around and having melty innards. Yeah, that's more exciting. That's more exciting than Olivia and a bald kid who reminds me of the guys in Mad Max Fury Road. But I do want to mention that Mark Valley, before he became an actor, he was in the US military and he saw combat... Betrayed his country? (laughs) No, he didn't betray his country. Um, He saw combat in the Gulf War. He was in Operation Desert Storm. So, mad respect to that man, but his character was dull and I'm glad he's no longer on the show. The the character, not Mark. Mad respect to that man. But anyway, uh, we're going to go through the plot, the very brief plot, so Martin doesn't get annoyed and then start just going Mm. at things. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I call watching lots of episodes of Fringe in one go? What? Binge. Okay. I've been waiting a week for that one. Cool. A demolition team is about to bring down a building when one worker is drawn to an area not marked on the blueprints. Inside the area they find a path to the building's foundation and in the darkness a boy. The boy is taken to a children's hospital and the fringe division is contacted. Because of course they are. Um, Why would they contact them though? You'd think they'd just contact child support. Yeah, child services. Um, But I guess it's just standard procedure to get fringe division in in case a child's psychic. (laughs) <laughs> well, like yeah. this is probably a twelfth time this has happened this year, but you know, this is the they first didn't time. mention it before because it didn't lead anywhere. Yeah, this is the first time the kid was actually psychic. Yeah. Like, oh, finally, thirteen times a charm. Um, the construction workers examined where the boy was found and determined it had been sealed off for seventy years and could not determine how the boy got inside. Do you think the boy was using his uh, telepathy to not get exploded? Yeah. I think he was. I think he was sending signals to the dude. Because they don't really imply that. No. They, sh- they should have sort of uh, made it more clear, but I think that the, the guy who they're going to blow up and he just sort of stands there and, like, I don't think we should. I think there's someone inside. Yeah. So, yeah. But they should have made it more, more implicit than that. Brad, you're a good cartoon singer, but you're not good at implying telepathy. <laughs> Thank you. The boy does not speak and Walter Bishop explains some of his medical conditions a result of living underground for several years. Olivia Dunham seems to be the only person that the boy reacts to. At one point she encourages him to eat by sharing candy with him but he only places the yellow pieces in the form of an arrow for her. The whole bit where Walter's like, uh, hey, why don't you put him on uh, a tank of 5% oxygen and see how you get on with that seemed a bit... Well, this guy's just walked in, so let's try it out. It could have done with, like, the boy not getting on with regular oxygen and then them going along with it. It just seemed a bit like, okay, guess we'll do that. He knows more than us, the child hospital experts. Well, the nurse does argue with him. Also, the, like, what what are they doing exactly? Is that like an oxygen tank that they've almost emptied? Or is there a special tank with thin oxygen? I don't know. Which is used for inverse mountains. <laughs> I don't know. I, Brad, you're a good cartoon singer, but you're not good at <laughs> um, whatever Martin just said. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a theory, Martin. It could be bunnies. It could be. 
Um, bunnies aren't as cute as everybody supposes. They've got those hoppy legs and twitchy little noses. Exactly. The theory I have is that this is why we have Ella, to show that side of Olivia so we can have this, this plot point, this storyline. Well, they certainly used her for that purpose in this episode. So yeah, it's probably why they went in that direction. It's like, oh, we want our female lead to have a connection to a child. Um, we don't really have time to uh, get her in a relationship and pregnant, mm-hmm. so uh, let's give her a niece. That works. Yeah, and also we have to remember that they made Peter be good with kids as well, so him and Rachel can get married and he can bring up Ella. So you remember that. I was going to be disdainful of just how close uh, Olivia is with her niece, but then I've seen how you are with your niece, Jimmy, and I know that it can be true. Oh, my niece is ten months old, Martin. <laughs> and you wouldn't punch her if she woke you up at six twenty. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Well, so are you one of these people who are like, oh, I don't know how anyone can deal with kids. I uh, do you hate children, Martin? I don't like them. They're <laughs> small and opinionated. <laughs> You know, they they say things like, uh, yes, because Brad Kane is a good cartoon singer, that means he is good at portraying telepathy in television. Mm, little bastards, what do they know? <laughs> right. Meanwhile, Charlie Francis receives a fax, which he recognises as a... I thought we were getting a stately Wayne Manor then. Yeah. <laughs> which he recognises as a taunting invitation... From the serial killer, The Artist, who kills women... Hang on, person who wrote this outline. That happened before the other scene. I know. It did. It did. But fuck it. I'm just reading it as as is. Um, Charlie contacts Olivia at the hospital requesting her help. But as she takes notes, um, the boy attempts to take her writing tools. Olivia gives them to the boy and he writes upside down a name. Olivia and Charlie, along with other agents, later find the body of the artist's latest victim, who has the same name that the boy wrote down earlier. The actress, Martin, did you recognise the actress? Of course I did. But what? But I should tell you who it is, just so everyone else knows? Um, no, I'll, I'll leave that up to you, Jimmy. Right. It's uh, Lecky Gorenson, who was the original Becky in Roseanne, and she's now the current Becky in the Connors. Uh, but here she's cre- is that still going? Yeah, but here no. she's credited as Alicia Gordonson, but it's the same actress. Yeah, um, Roseanne came back, and then Roseanne was a racist, so they sacked her, and then com- brought it back as the Connors, and it's currently in its third season. I mean, legally, we have to say alleged racist. Um, <sighs> it turns out that sleeping pills make you tweet racist things, and that's different. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we have to we have to clarify that, yeah. Later the boy provides an address and Olivia and Charlie race to the location, but this time find nothing. Um only later do they learn that a second victim was taken from that spot moments before they arrived. Walter comes to believe the boy has an empathic connection to the case. It's really interesting this episode essentially has a A, B and C plot. Uh-huh. Where you've got Olivia and the boy and then the serial killer as separate investigations initially. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Olivia and her family sort of as the 
sea runner, which we haven't really seen before, I don't think. No, I think you're right. And, you know, it did work out quite well as for as far as a boring late season episode can be. Yeah. See, I did think that you were going into this because last time you said that we're going to get a couple of duff episodes and then um, going to go into the finale and then season two is where it gets great, right? Yeah, but I think it takes a couple into season two. I think it's about maybe even mid-season two that it becomes kind of what Fringe becomes. Right. Um, From what I remember, I watched it, I don't want to say ten years ago, um, because that makes me feel old. Yeah. And maybe I'm being a bit too hard on season one, because whilst these are not the all-time classic Fringe episodes, there's worse stuff out there, and it holds together perfectly reasonably, and, um, you know, it does have, like you say, undercurrents to tie in with the wider story Mm -hmm. in a way that some of the earlier episodes didn't, Mm -hmm. but when trying to talk at length about it, it doesn't exactly motivate one. Right. The second victim that we see has a dog called Mac. And that is one chunky doggy. That is a big dog. It's a large puppy. It is indeed. Lovely big doggy. Right. Walter seeks to use neural stimulator to understand the boy's empathy, but Peter only allows it if Walter devises less invasive methods, which is fair enough. It's a child. This was quite funny, this scene. Them being like, what what are you doing? And him being like, what? (laughs) Oh, Walter. And uh, I should say, actually, that um, last week I had um, something that would date this podcast if people are listening in the future and found myself watching uh, several Lord of the Rings movies back-to-back, extended editions. Um, I'm not saying they're bad films, but I literally had to be injected with a poison to sit through them. Um, That's not fair. I quite like them. And um, obviously it's got John Noble in, who I first saw him in those films, but now having seen Fringe, I'm like, hey, it's Walter. Yeah, exactly. He's in an episode of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, John Noble. Well, he's in a few, because he voices the bad guy in one of the seasons. You don't see him as him, he's just a voice. So, The Legends of Tomorrow, which is a time travel show, they travel back in time because they realise that the bad guy sounds like John Noble, the actor. Mm. So they travel back in time to him filming Return of the King and get him to do voices, to do a voice, to read this thing off so they can pretend that that's the voice of the bad guy. Um, so John Noble plays himself. Does that work better than the Ocean's Eleven film where they get uh, Julia Roberts to impersonate Julia Roberts because her character kind of looks like Julia Roberts, whilst all the other famous characters, actors playing characters, do not apparently look like them? No, it's actually quite funny. Hooray! And the episode is called Guest Starring John Noble. That is humorous. It just takes a piss out of time travel stories. It just doesn't care. Though the child's mind is difficult to understand, they obtain a third location. Olivia, Charlie and other agents set up a roadblock in the area and check all vehicles going through it. Olivia spies a van with a yellow tree-shaped air freshener and recalling the child's candy display from earlier, determines that the artist is inside. The killer attempts to escape and Olivia stabs him to death with his own knife during the struggle. I did think that the artist was legit creepy bad guy. Yeah, but the story wasn't really good. <laughs> no, it was just like something they found on the floor of the CSI offices. 
Yeah, it's you know, Criminal Minds more. Didn't Dollhouse do this episode as well? Yeah, I think they did actually. Yeah, there was a serial killer. Yeah, there was. I don't know if he was a serial killer. He just like injected kid- ladies kid- and yeah. dressed them up and posed. That's them. right. He kidnapped women. Yeah, that's also an episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one thing annoyed me. Two things annoyed me, Martin. One, there was too many yellow M&Ms in one bag. And two... I mean, scientifically, we should probably buy several bags of M&Ms to uh, check this out. We should, but I only really like the peanut ones. They are nice. Um, And how did Olivia shoot the windscreen of the van from behind? Um, Oh, she used the old goady roundy bullet trick. She must have done. Olivia actually uh, did a uh, section of FBI training in the Old West, including... uh, Trick shots. Yeah. <laughs> because she's standing... Be- the, we see the van, and she's standing behind it, and she shoots and hits the windscreen, and then he crashes the van. That makes no sense. Because it, does, it doesn't shoot through the door at the back. Why would she do that if she thinks there's someone in the back? You know? I once made a film where a character is being held hostage, so the hero shoots the whole... Uh, shoots their bullet to ricochet around the whole room and take out the gunman. Right. Was that not just Wanted? Um, Starring James McAvoy? I, I never saw it. I, I'm sure they were inspired by me because I'm great. Uh, I think it's based on the comic, Wanted. But it's just one of those things where, you know, great minds and all that. I've come up... Criminal minds. Yeah, great criminal minds. I've come up with storylines of things that I've written down and then some bastards put it in their show. Oh, yeah. It's a whole thing where um, people parallel development. Mm -hmm. um, Hodgkin's law of parallel development. Um, They uh, will, you know, be thinking of the same thing. It's like, especially if you're looking into a certain genre or something, you're going to come up with the same ideas. Exactly. Have you seen the show Dead Pixels? No. It's a Channel 4 show about MMORPG gamers, mm-hmm. and someone tried to sue them because they had also written an idea for a show about MMORPG gamers, mm-hmm. and uh, including characters getting married in the game, and it just made me want to pull my hair out because it's like, the Guild did that ten years ago and better than either of you. Shut up. Exactly. When I was at college, I we, you know, had to write... We had to write cert- different scripts, and one was a script for, like, a soap opera. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a script for a soap opera, and one of the one of the characters had a friend who was a bit of a troublemaker, and he kept telling him to do things and stuff like that. And in the, the part of the Bible that I wrote to go with it I you wrote a bible we had to we had to write a script oh a series bible a series not... bible and then we had to write a part of a series bible to explain what was going to happen in the script mm-hmm. um and i wrote that the best friend is actually in the guy's head Ooh. and then hollyoaks did that storyline about five years later was this before fight club then when was fight club 99? I think it was round the same time, but I didn't see Fight Club to about 2010 or something. Don't worry, Jimmy, you weren't the first film student, you won't be the last film student to knock off Fight Club. I didn't knock off Fight Club, Martin. No, that was your imaginary friend. I didn't knock off Fight Club because I hadn't seen Fight Club and it wasn't the same thing anyway. What made you get to 2010 and be like, yeah, I should probably watch that Fight Club? Because I had no interest in it. We're not supposed to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you like it when you watched it? Yeah, I did. 
I already knew the twist, though, which was a bugger. I was... I had that ruined for me by Ian Lee. Yeah? Yeah, there was a um, Channel 4 video game review show, and uh, they were, like, reviewing the GameCube about six months before it ca- mm-hmm. came out. And Ian Lee was like, this game is even better than Brad Pitt being a figment of that guy's imagination in Fight Club. When was this, though? Was this, like, around the same time as Fight Club? Um... Within a couple of years. Yeah. Spoilers, Martin. How do you feel about spoilers in general? What's your thoughts on spoilers? If you give spoilers, you deserve jail time. Right. No ifs or buts. Right. I don't understand this idea of either spoilers being new or giving away the ending of something somehow being acceptable. I remember before there were internets or anything like that, being quite firmly told as a young child, don't give away the ending of something in case someone hasn't seen it. That's just good manners. Mm. Yeah, but people seem to think it's all right now because we've got the internet and all that. And it's like... It's not. It's not, because some people still haven't seen the thing. Yeah. You know? It's like... But I hate it when I'm watching a YouTube video or something and then someone gives away something I haven't seen. And it's like... And as other people would argue, then why haven't you seen it yet? And it's like, well, I don't have time to watch everything at once. Yeah, I just uh, could rant on that for hours and that's not what you want. No, I want to finish the synopsis for this episode. It's like uh, Rick puts Ilsa on the plane at the end of Casablanca. You know, just because it came out 80 years ago doesn't mean you go around telling everyone, unless you have a fringe podcast. Yeah, although that could mean anything. You just said... Rick puts Elsa on the plane. That could mean anything. It's a euphemism. Yeah. He <laughs> fucks her brains out. <laughs> yeah. That didn't happen much in 40s cinema for some reason. No, it didn't. No. Certainly not when the character was married to someone else. Exactly. Yeah, that is a no-no. Olivia and Bryles arrange the transfer of the child to an adopting family in large part to keep him away from Elliot Michaels, an alleged social worker, in quotation marks, who wants to claim him for CIA research. While in transit to his new home, the boy makes eye contact with the Observer, September, with whom he shares a resemblance. I, I had a proper didoy moment when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, of course he's a fucking Observer child. The implication is he's been underground for like 70 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes sense. Kind of makes sense. We don't really know much about the Observers, but we know that they're not human. Him being in there for 70 years, you know, isn't a big stretch. No. Yeah. So, you know what, Martin? I don't have a water line of the week. (laughs) No, there wasn't much. uh, There wasn't much, sis, unless you want to talk about his penis. No, I don't want to talk about Walter's penis. That that was pretty cringe. Yeah. If you spell out the ciphers of this week's episode, they spell Walter's penis. Yeah, it does. Well, it just spells out Walter, but, you know, they, they didn't have enough room to... Act breaks. Yeah, enough ad breaks to put in. Uh, let's see. Um, unless you have uh, an IQ higher than mine, I'm not interested in what you think. There, that's my Walter line of the week. <laughs> yeah, Walter didn't have that much in this episode. I think the best thing he does is when he does that weird sort of dance thing for the kid mm. to make the, the kid happy. So I think that's a good sort of... That's a good Walter moment. There were some good uh, moments for Gene the Cow. Yeah. Was Gene the Cow in this episode? <laughs> yeah, the uh, kid was um, 
like standing next to it at one point and then they find out that um the um blood under the victim's fingernails had oh, come right. in from a um That's right. butcher's you do know that you don't have to refer to Jean as an it. It's a cow, so you can refer to Jean as a she or a her. You can. Well, people and bovines get very particular these days if you get that wrong, so I'm just uh, edging my bets. Right, it's a cow, it's female. Um, for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's just talk about the fact that um, this was the first episode to air after a two-month hiatus, Martin. Yes. And not only that, because that's not long after the um, mid-season premiere. This is only a few episodes after the mid-season premiere. Then it, it's you know it was te- it was off for two months, which is ridiculous, and it was also delayed by about thirty minutes because American Idol ran long that night. <laughs> I've never understood like US network air dates because they'll like do six or so episodes weekly and then they'll just show those six episodes again and then they'll just sort of sprinkle them throughout the rest of the year till May Mm -hmm. whereas uh, in the UK the networks would buy the rights to a show and then wait until they can just show them for you know, 22 consecutive weeks. Yeah, so usually January. You know, so often shows that start in September, October in the US would start in January in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can just run them straight uh, through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really understand these um, mid-season finales and whatnot because we never really experienced them firsthand. Uh, the only thing I really watched like that is when they were showing Stargate and Battlestar Galactica uh, you'd get like 10 episodes in the spring and 10 episodes sort of around August. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the thing about the mid-season break is they don't tend... People don't tend to watch new television shows in the US on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. So it's all repeats. But whereas here, we do tend to watch new stuff because we have Christmas specials on actual Christmas Christmas Day. You know, new stuff like a new Doctor Who, maybe. Not recently, but we've had Doctor Who or um, soap operas get special Christmas episodes on Christmas Day. And it's like, the America, America doesn't do that. Americans don't watch TV at Christmas, apparently. I feel like we should check with some Americans. I think we're making some quite broad statements. No, it's here. true. It's true. Um, because that's why they don't show... Can we get Jen to be like a guest correspondent and explain <laughs> why, like, if there's any rhyme or reason to when the episodes air and, like, how many will just be well, shown... I think Jen would ...week know, and week actually. and when they'll... Yeah. I'll ask her, because it's all to do with, like, sweeps and all of that nonsense, Martin. Uh, and Sooty and Sue. Yeah, can't forget those two. Um, but it's all to do with, like, um, advertising and all that. It's like certain advertisers won't pay money during certain times of the year. It's not a shite. They wouldn't watch a new episode of Fringe on Christmas Day. The ratings would tank. Going back to this being the first episode after two-month hiatus, J.J. Uh, Abrams actually said, I will say that I have a different opinion about the network, but I too have heard from a number of people about the issue and it is infuriating. So even he wasn't happy about it. Yeah. Right. So, do you have any facts to tell us, Martin? So, mm-hmm. in the last scene, the Observer appears. I didn't see him. Did you not? Oh, wow. No. I didn't see him. I didn't How see him. How embarrassing. I know. I know. 
That is the dumbest fucking fact, doesn't it? Yes, yes it is. Next one. Nina Sharp does not appear in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, the glyphs spell out Walter. Let's see, I think I've got a couple things that I haven't said. Yeah, I'm glad that it wasn't Rachel that was was the last victim that they had to save. That would just make things worse. Um, And also, Olivia can't seem to... you know, talk to anyone because her phone keeps interrupting her. Right. So, or do anything important because her phone keeps interrupting her. That's two episodes in a row. What's happening? Yeah. Right. So, the next episode, Martin, which will be episode 16, mm-hmm. is called Unleashed. It's about the big dog. Is it? I don't know. Or that, or Mac. It's about Mac. Yeah. Mac mm-hmm. comes back. The chunky dog comes back. Um, an animal rights activist, as animal as animal rights activists ransack a laboratory, they get more than they bargain for when one of the caged animals unleashes a ferocious appetite. Isn't that kind of like the beginning of Twenty Eight Days Later? Yeah, this is like, oh, what can we look at for inspiration? Oh, we've used the Criminal Mind scripts now. Um... <laughs> Let's rip off Danny Boyle. <laughs> Right, so join us for that, um, Unleashed, which is the next episode. Uh, that's all we have time for. You can follow the podcast at Drop the Pilot Pod on at, at Drop the Pilot Pod on the Twitters. Uh, Shiftbench.co.uk is the website. Contact Shiftbench.co.uk is the email address. Send us some feedback. Uh, where can people follow you on the internet, Martin? At the Fowdor on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, it's shit. Anyway, thanks for listening. Till next time. Goodbye. Cheerio. Last time you said cheers, and this time you said cheerio. Gonna I know. To, I'm gonna have to change it up a little bit next time, Martin. Well, no, you can just pick one and just cut it into all future episodes. <laughs> one that that time you said bye bye, and then the next time you didn't say any because you said you said bye twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>